your friendly neighborhood host, uh, J.T. Wheatley here, back again for another History of Comics podcast, this time the History of Horror Comics, Part 2. When we last left off, uh, comic books had just gone to the new 1970s revival as characters like Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf by Night by Marvel came out, and another popular uh, horror character from this time period by Marvel was Man-Thing. He was part of the horror revival of the 1990s, who first appeared in Savage Tales, number one, in 1971, created by Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, and Greg Morrow. He was originally conceived in a conversation between Lee and Thomas, with Lee coming up with the name, which had been previously used for an unrelated character in Tales of Suspense, number seven, back in January of 1960. His origin is that of Dr. Theodore Salas, who was working on a project in the Florida Everglades to replicate the super soldier serum that created Captain America. When he learns that the terrorist organization's aim is after it, Salas destroys his notes and escapes with the only sample of the serum, where he crashes his car in the Everglades, and through a combination of serum and magical forces, is turned into the plant-like man-thing, with little memory of his past life and the ability to seek to seek, secrete deadly acid with angry. The character would next appear in Astonishing Tales number 12 and 13 by Lynn Ween and Neil Adams. Eventually, Man-Thing would get his own series with Adventures into Fear, number 10, with Steve Gerber taking over the writing chores with issue number 11. Gerber's run would be considered the definitive take in the character, and would see other Marvel characters like the Howard the Duck and the Fool Killer introduced as well. Gerber would also introduce Man-Thing's classic tagline, Whoever knows fear will burn at Man-Thing's touch. And also introduced in Adventures in the Fear, number 11. After issue number 19, Man-Thing would would get his own series, The Man-Thing, for 22 issues from January of 1974 to August of 1975, along with Giant Size Man-Thing, number 1 through 5, from August 1974 to August 1975. The unintentional double entendre in that title became a classic joke among readers. Man-Thing would get a second 11-issue miniseries from November 1979 to January of 1981, along with numerous one-shots and guest appearances throughout Marvel, along with a 2005 movie, but the less said about that one, the better. Outside of adapting classic horror vampires like Dracula into Marvel, the company also created its own with Morbius, the living vampire, who first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 101 on October of 1971, created by Roy Thomas and Jill Kane. Originally Dr. Michael Morbius, he was a brilliant Nobel Prize winning biologist with a rare blood disease. Attempted to cure it with an experiment involving vampire bites and electroshock therapy, he instead becomes the living vampire, one created by scientific over supernatural means with the ability to fly, super strength, and a thirst for blood. Morbius would soon get his own series in Vampire Tales on 1973 and Adventures in the Fear with number 20 on February 1974, which he starred in until the series ended with issue number 31 on December 1975. He would get sporadic guest appearances throughout the years till finally getting his own regular series, Morbius the Living Vampire, in September of 1992, which ran for 32 issues before being canceled on April of 1995. Since then, Morbius has been a regularly appeared throughout Marvel Comics as well. Another classic monster adapted for Marvel was The Living Mummy, created by Steve Gerber and Rich Buckler, who first appeared in Supernatural Thrillers number 5 in 1973 and still had a continuing stories with number 7. His character is Nakanto, a uh, African tribesman from 3,000 years ago, who, after being captured and placed into slavery in Egypt, tried to lead a revolt only to be paralyzed and mummified in the process. Awakening in modern day, he goes on a rampage from being buried from, from being buried for over three thousand years. As a result of the mystical mummification process, Nakantu now has the superhuman strength and invulnerability, along with the ability to use magic. He has made sporadic appearances in Marvel since, including working with Neil Fury, Nick Fury at Shield. 
A horror-based superhero was Brother Voodoo, who first appeared in Strange Tales number 169 to 173 by Lynn Ween, John Romita Sr., and Stan Lee. Lee originally proposed the idea of a voodoo-based superhero, with then editor-in-chief Lynn Ween suggesting the name Dr. Voodoo. Lee immediately countered with Brother Voodoo, and then had Lynn Ween and John Romita Sr. work out the details. He was originally Jericho Drum, a Haitian-born American psychologist who returns to his home country only to discover his twin brother Daniel is dying. As a dying wish, Jericho goes on the train under Daniel's mentor, Papa Jamba, who teaches him to master the voodoo practices and as a result is able to raise Daniel's spirit from the dead to merge with his own. Jericho soon uses the mastery of voodoo to fight evil and has become another sporadic Marvel character, even taking up the mantle of Sorcerer Supreme from Doctor Strange at one point. However, one thing that limited the original stories was that while the CCA had loosened the restrictions on horror tales, the word zombies was still forbidden, so they had to use the, the word zombies, though we just knew what they were talking about. True to American comic books' Jewish roots, the Gollum also appeared in Strange Tales number 174 by Lynn Ween and John Buscema. True to the character's mythological origins, he is a 16th century clay statue animated by Judah Lo Ben Gazil to protect the Jewish people of Prague. He would later be reanimated in modern day by Professor Abraham Adamson, whose life force is used when he dies. Gollum has occasionally made appearances in Marvel since then, most notably as part of the revived Howling Commandos. Another werewolf superhero created by Marvel was Man-Wolf, who first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 123 to 124, who was the son of J. Jonah Jameson, John Jonah Jameson III. He would later get his own series in Creatures on the Loose, number 30 to 73. Jameson became a wolf from a strange ruby he acquired while on a mission to the moon as an astronaut. As a result, he became the villainous Man-Wolf and occasionally resurfaces throughout Marvel. On top of other monsters, zombies were also a monster adapted into comics with Tales of the Zombie, a series that ran for 10 issues from August of 1973 to March of 1975, with an additional annual comic. Written by Steve Gerber with art by Pablos Marcos, it features stories of Simon Garf, the zombie, a character previously created by Stan Lee and Bill Everett in Menace No. 5 on July of 1953, who was transformed into a zombie due to a voodoo ritual. Being a black-and-white magazine over a comic, Tales of the Zombie avoided the CCA and thus thus the regulations, allowing for profanity, nudity, and even gore, along with actually being able to use the word zombie. After the series ends, Salman Garf would regularly appear throughout Marvel, including becoming part of the Howling Commandos in the 2000s. Scarecrow also appeared in Marvel, first in Tales of Suspense number 51 in March of 1964, created by Stan Lee and Don Heck, and later in Dead of Night number 2 in 1975. He originally Ebenezer Lawton, a circus performer and contortionist who turns to crime. Scarecrow was originally human just until after battling Ghost Rider. He is killed by being impaled on a pitchfork, only to be resurrected and becoming a member of the undead. Despite his similarity to the DC villain of the same name, Scarecrow continues to make sporadic appearances throughout Marvel to this day. Of interesting note, during the Marvel vs. DC crossover of the 1990s, both, Scare- both Scarecrows of each company teamed up to kidnap Lois Lane and the Amagalam series. They were actually combined. Long before Stephen King's classic novel, a, a monster called It appeared in Astonishing Tales number 21-24 in 1973, which was a 100-foot flying man controlled by special effects man Bob O'Brien. However, the, man doc, the mad Dr. Vault discovers that he's dying, he can transfer his mind into It. Written by Tony Isabella, it came off as a charming ripoff of Japanese monster movies. However, after a few years, Marvel would get a shot at, would get a shot at the real thing. 
One of the most notable licensed characters for Marvel was Godzilla, King of Monsters, based on the classic Japanese monster movie. However, when Marvel acquired the license, they realized they only got after the fact it was only just for Godzilla, and none of the other monsters or characters. As a result, writer Doug Monick and artist Herb Trimpey placed Godzilla in the Marvel Universe, having the monster escape from a frozen iceberg, then crossing the continental U.S. before stopping in New York City. There, Godzilla would meet Nick Fury and the Champions in issue number three, along with the Fantastic Four, Devil Dinosaur, and Moon Boy, the Avengers, and even Spider-Man, who cameoed in the last issue. He also got a rival in Red Ronin, a giant robot created by Marvel just for the series. After Marvel lost the rights to Godzilla, they would, he, they would change his appearance and name to, get, to keep using the monster, while Red Ronin also makes appearances, notably in Earth-X miniseries in 1999. Chamber in Darkness in 1969 was an anthology series hosted by Headstone P. Gravely and The Digger, who would move in on to their, get their own series in Tower of Shadows in 1969, Supernatural Thrillers came out in 1972 with issue number two, introducing the Invisible Man. Chamber of Chills also came out that same year, and later Giant Size Chillers was released in 1975, originally titled Chilling Chills and replacing Marvel Chiller. Other Marvel horror comics were Monsters in the Prowl and Journey in the Mystery, which only lasted for five issues. DC joined the horror revival in the 1970s with The House of Mystery in 1968, featuring the stories like Eyes of the Basilisk in 184 and The Demon Within in 201. It became 100 pages with issue number 224 for five issues, and by issue number 254, it became an 80-page $1 comic in which stories like I, Vampire in 290 were published about vampires Andrew and Mary who run the, bl- who run the Blood Red Moon. The series would eventually end with issue number 321. House of Secrets in 1969 continued in the horror vein as well with issue number 81, though it eventually incorporated the giant size unexpected. The Witching Hour was published in 1969 as well, hosted by a trio of witches, Mildred, Mordred, and Cynthia, though it failed to grab the young, hip audience at the time. The Unexpected was published in 1968, originally titled Tales of the Unexpected, and would become 100 pages by issue number 157. Soon it was a $1 comic book, with issue number 189, but that would only last for eight issues, with it returning to a normal-sized comic by issue number 196. Dark Mansion of the Forbidden Love was published in 1971, with the title changed to Forbidden Tales of the Dark Mansion by issue number five. Issue number six is notable as it featured art by the legendary Jack Kirby. Sinister House of Secret Love was also published that same year, and it would, and it would have the name changed by issue number five as well, becoming Secrets of the Sinister House, Apparently, DC was not a fan of having love at the title. Ghost also was out in 1971 with issues number 93, introducing the, the character of Terry 13, who would go on to meet the Spectre in issue number 97. The series was eventually canceled by issue number 112. Weird War Tales was published in 1971 and notable for being edited by the great Joe Kubert, with Joe Orlando taking over issue number 8. Then, by issue number 93, Lynn Wing took the reins in, 19, in 1980, where he introduced the Creature Commandos by J.M. DeMattis, a group of monsters who fought in World War II. Mike W. Barr would later take over the series with issue number 104. The Night Force premiered in 1982, who was first introduced in New Teen Titans number 21, created by the stalwart horror creators Marv Wolfman and Gene Cullen. Ghostly Hunts was published in 1971, which was originally Ghostly Manor during the Silver Age of comic books. Wayne the Witch was the hostess and later Mr. Bones. It featured stories like The Man Who Haunted Satan in issue number 42. 
It would last for 58 issues. Ghost Manor also came out that same year where Mr. Bones also hosting and lasted 77 issues to 1984 where it became Ghostly Tales with issue number 91 before ultimately ending. Haunted was another horror comic of 1971 hosted by a tiny imp. It was later changed to Baron Werewolf's Haunted Library, issue number 21, now hosted by the Baron, a shaggy, burgeoned narrator. Midnight Tales was published in 1972, the brainchild of Wayne Howard. Credited by the creator, it was narrated by Cyrus Coffin, a.k.a. the Midnight Philosopher, and his niece, Art Arachne. By issue number 17, Coffin is killed by a vampire, with the series ending by number 18. Haunted in Love was published by 1973, only lasting for 11 issues, while Monster Hunters premiered in 1975, originally about a gang led by Colonel Whitestrawn, before becoming an anthology series. It would go on hiatus in number 9, before going on again in, numbers, in 1977. Creepy Things came out in 1975, but only lasted for six issues, along with Beyond the Grave, which lasted for 16 issues. Scary Tales came out that same year, hosted by the red-haired Countess R.H. Von Blood, lasting for 37 issues to 1983. Gold Key also published some horror books during the revival, with books like Grimm's Ghost Stories in 1972 and Dr. Spectre in 1973, which featured stories like Occult Files of Dr. Spectre, where he traveled the world with Lakota Rainflower. Atlas, the short-lived comic book company of the, of the 1970s by Marvel founder Martin Goodman, also made some horror books. Among them was Weird Suspense, Tales of Evil, and The Brute, about a revived caveman, all which came out in 1975 but only lasted for three issues. One notable book was Morlock, 2001, which only lasted for three issues as well, was a sci-fi series where individualities were pressed and had to be fight human and plant monsters. The company also published Planet of Vampires and Fright, about the son of Dracula. DC published Weird Mystery Tales in 1972, which featured Jack Kirby doing the art for the first issue. Joe Orlando took over as editor with number four, with the hosts being Eve and Destiny. The series only lasted for 24 issues. Another Atlas comic was Secrets of the Haunted House in 1975, which was hosted by Cain, Abel, Eve, and Destiny. Though it will go on hiatus till 1977 after just four issues. Tales of the Ghost also came out that same year with a narrator name of Lucian. In 1978, Doorway and the Nightmare was published, but only lasted for five issues, with the host being Madame Xanadu. It will later be incorporated into the unexpected. Back with DC, The Phantom Stranger was returned and published in 1969, which featured the return of Doctor 13 as well in showcase number 80. He will be carried over to The Phantom Stranger in issue number 4 of volume 2, which was started with reprints until that issue. Also from the pages of The Phantom Stranger was Spawn of Frankenstein, who first appeared in issue number 23 about the revived Frankenstein monster. Of course, the most iconic DC horror character would be Swamp Thing in 1972, who first appeared in House of Secrets 92 in July of 1971, created by Lynn Ween and Bernie Wrightson. His first story was a standalone set in 20th century, where his first alter ego was Alex Osen, but he would also get his own series a year later, incorporating him into the main DC comic books, and would last for 24 issues. This version of the Swamp Thing was Alec Holland, who first appeared in Swamp Thing No. 1, November of 1972, also by Wynn and Wrightson, who was a scientist working in the Louisiana Swamplands, working on a bio-restorative formula to address world hunger. However, when thugs destroy his lab, Holland is drenched in his formula and jumps into the swamp, where his body and consciousness are absorbed by the local plant life. He was soon to face off against Antoine Arcane in issue number two, a mad scientist obsessed with immortality who creates the Unmen, a group of monstrous creatures. 
Alan Moore revived the character in Saga of the Swamp Thing, number 21, on February of 1984, where an autopsy of the character revealed he was not Alec Hodlin, but a plant-based creature that had absorbed his body. Swamp Thing would be a surprisingly popular character for DC, despite his dark roots, spawning not only numerous series of DC, but also multiple films, a live-action TV series, and even a Saturday morning cartoon show. DC is currently planning a streaming show for their DC Universe Online service. The Unmen even got their own series at Vertigo in 2007 for 13 issues, about a reservation where they now live. It was in the pages of Swamp Thing number 37 on June 1985 that DC's other most iconic horror character, John Constantine, first appeared, created by Alan Moore and Stephen R. Bissett. Depicted as a combination of an occult detective slash sorcerer with a questionable morality, Constantine would soon get his own series in 1998, which remains published to this day and is the longest running of DC's Vertigo line. His artist, Bissett, was a fan of the band The Police and deliberately modeled his look after the lead singer Sting. Constantine also makes numerous appearances throughout the DC Universe and has gotten his own live-action movie and TV series starring Matt, actor Matt Ryan, who continues to play the character in the CW DC TV series, along with voicing the character in the animated movies now. Jack Kirby created The Demon in August of 1972 about a monster who bonded with J- Jason Blood called Etrigan. The character was originally based in Gotham City, where he teamed with Batman a few times. Reportedly, Kirby hated the character and only created him because DC requested a horror title, and would later be annoyed he was so successful. The, seri- the first series would run for 16 issues. After his initial comic run, the demon made numerous appearances throughout DC, along with his alter eagle Jason Blood, who would become a member of the Justice League at one point. In 1993, many of these characters were incorporated together when DC formed the Vertigo line for the more mature comic books, such as Swamp Thing and Hellblazer. While not a horror line outright, many comic books found their home there. The, the line continues to this day, not only producing horror titles, but also mature series like Sandman and The Preacher. Also in 1993, one of the most popular horror-based characters in recent years, Hellboy, would make his debut in Dime Press No. 4 in March of 1993, created by Mike Magnolia. A red-skinned, devil-looking character, complete with a forked tail, hooves, and horns, though he keeps them shaved down. Hellboy was discovered by the Allies as a baby during World War II when he was summoned by the Nazi occultists and Rasputin. His true name is supposed to be Angun on Rama, which translate, and upon his brow is set a crown of flames that is meant to bring about the destruction of the world thanks to his right stone hand, called the right hand of doom. However, he is instead raised by Professor Trevor Brudenholm and recruited into the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, BPRD, to fight the supernatural. Hellboy will make regular appearances throughout various comics in his own, leading to, leading to several spin-off series for his supporting cast as well, such as Abe Sapien. The character has grown to be one of the most popular third-party heroes in recent memory, spawning several movies, animated films, and guest appearances in other media-like video games, most notably as a DLC character in the Injustice 2 fighting game. A new live-action film is set to be released in April of 2019. Mike Magnolia did the work on all the films, along with Blade 2 with Guillermo del Toro, who directed the 2004 and 2008 live-action movies of Hellboy. Before Hellboy, Magnolia also did art for the comic book adaptation of 1992 film Bram Stoker's Dracula, with Roy Thomas providing the writing. IDW did a 2018 collection of the series, as today is considered an underrated horror gem. 
Due to the success of the revived Ghost Rider comic book in the 1990s, Marvel decided to create an entire superhero line called the Midnight Suns based around horror characters, who all first appeared in Ghost Rider number 28 on August of 1992, featuring members like Hellstorm, Morbius, Werewolf by Night, and Doctor Strange. Many of the members got their own comics, with Morbius in September of 1992, The Night Stalkers, which consisted of Blade, Frank Drake, and Hannibal King in November of 1992, with the purpose of fighting Lilith, the mother of all demons, who also first appeared in Ghost Rider number 28, created by Howard Mackey and Andy Kubert. The Dark Horde paid hold the pages from the Book of the Sin was also introduced in October of 1982 about a group of investigators track, tracking a mysterious man who was leaving pages of the accursed book around the world to cause havoc. The series would even have their own Midnight Suns logo, though they wouldn't last for two years altogether, with various characters going their separate ways throughout the Marvel Universe, occasionally reteaming those, such as in the Marvel Zombies 3 and Marvel Zombies 4 of 2008 and 2009. Another attempt by Marvel to make a horror superhero team was Nick Fury's Howling Commandos in December of 2005. Featuring characters like the Living Mummy, Grog, Zombie, and Werewolf by Night, designed as a team tasked with taking on the supernatural. It would last for six issues, but would later be revived in 2015 as the Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., where it would also last for just six issues. However, the comic book did establish stake, special threat assessment for known extra anomalies, as a subsidiary of S.H.I.E.L.D., Perhaps the most notable addition to horror comics in modern history has been The Walking Dead on October of 2003, created by Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore, which dealt with the world dealing with a zombie apocalypse. Acclaimed for its mature storytelling and how the humans end up being cooler than the zombies, the series has continued to be published to this day. In 2011, a highly successful TV series, The Walking Dead, was launched on AMC, which also continues to this day as well, with Fear of the Walking Dead, a spinoff, joining AMC in 2015. Also of note is the Walking Dead video game from Telltale Games in 2012, an episodic adventure game in which players must make difficult choices to navigate the world of the Walking Dead. And that is a rambling history of horror and comic books. Of course, it does not cover everything, that, but it does show that the comic book medium has always had a place for the horror genre. Like all things, human beings like to be scared, and we like it when our comics do it to us as well. My chief source for these episodes was the horror comics Fiends, Freaks, and Fantastic Creatures, 1940s and 1980s by William Scholl. A dry but still nice read about the many horror comic books featured throughout the period. Well worth picking up for anyone interested in the subject matter. Mark McCrane. I'm the author of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. I'm Dan Klink, co-host of The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives features programming trends from the 1966 television season all the way through the last throb of the early digital age of the 1990s. On the show, if it's animated, we talk about it. Order your signed copy today at tbsool.com. Listen to the podcast at esonetwork.com and all podcast platforms. Now it is October 26th, 2023, time for my favorite comic of the week. Gargoyles, number 10, by uh, Greg Wiseman and George Kemodeus, which uh, finds, well, the uh, long-awaited trial of Goliath, as, tri- as Goliath has been uh, captured by the police and put on trial, where there are, the prosecutor trying to argue he's not even entitled to human rights because he's a gargoyle, not a human being, and it leaves nothing else than his own girlfriend, Detective Eliza Meza, to take the stand in his defense. 
This is a great issue where Wiseman truly does expand and move the story of Gargoyles forward because, well, as pointed out, the Gargoyles are now publicly known and they're on trial. And they get and this book decides whether or not they're actually human beings with rights. And also push the personal story forward, too, is uh, Eliza Mazer just has to testify on the stand where she says, uh, yeah, her and Goliath, they're in love. Which is uh, a lot of fans of the original cartoon series is very happy to see that development. But uh, her testimony also has some complications for her professional life as well as a police detective for the NYPD, which may play out in the future issues. Also, uh, Kevin Davis's art is uh, gorgeous, does a great job imitating the cartoony style from the original cartoon. And just, I don't know, just a lot of fun. This is uh, great seeing uh, this uh, story continue by the, one of the original showrunners with Wiseman. And they, he pushed the story forward, and part of me wants to think, hey, Disney Plus, uh, let's have, this would be great with the continued uh, Gargoyles. I'm loving we're getting more X-Men animated series. I would love to see more Gargoyles, too. It's just a classic show, and yeah, it would be a great way to expand on things. And uh, with that, that will conclude with this archive edition of the History of Horror Comics, because uh, uh, by next week, uh, spooky season will be over. we will be in November uh, Thanksgiving season, but... I always love a good spooky time. Uh, if you want to, please go check out my good friend uh, James Moser's YouTube channel, The Fall Horseman, where me and a lot of our friends, we talk about the horror movies, horror shopping, going to Halloween Horror Nights and so forth. And yes, you will see me in a video or two where I prove once again I have a face fit for podcasting. I'm not sure I have a voice fit for podcasting either, as I've had some complaints on the reviews. But hey, I do this for fun, and I just really enjoy doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. But uh, next week will probably be a more standard uh, classics episode. Still working on the season seven. I cannot believe I'm up to season seven now. That's fan- that's crazy. But uh, a lot of fun. Uh, by the time you hear this, I uh, hope everyone has a happy Halloween. And if you can, go out there and pick yourself up a good comic book. And if you can, a nice creepy comic book while you're waiting on trick-or-treaters. <laughs> <laughs>